This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. And now I am pleased to be joined by the Vice President of Football Operations for the United States Football League and NFL broadcaster and one of my favorite Dallas Cowboys ever, Daryl Moose Johnston. Daryl, how you doing? Awesome, RJ. How have you been? I'm good, sir. I'm excited to be talking about football in February. And we're here talking about the release of the 2023 USFL schedule. And I'm going to be loud about this, Daryl. <laughs> this is the second year for the USFL, which means that you lead a spring league into its second year for the first time in 40 years. That's any spring league anywhere. How do you feel knowing that? Uh, blessed, really blessed. I uh, have great people uh, within the USFL football family um, from our, our league office personnel uh, in all divisions. And I think a lot of people look at this and they look at just football. Uh, but that's been one of my biggest takeaways from year one is how many things were going on behind the scenes when I was a player or a broadcaster and had no idea how much effort was being put in by so many different people. So you know, for me, it's just it, it tremendously blessed that we have such a, a great team of people. Um, and, and last year, you know, the motto was not based on what your job title was or what your job description was. It was really kind of just get the job done so we could have this conversation going into year two for the first time in 40 plus years. So um, just very fortunate. Uh, no, we've got new challenges this year. You know, the hub was unique last year in Birmingham. But it also had a lot of things that played to our strengths and, and having everybody in one location and many, many hands make light work. And, and we were able to kind of embrace that motto. And it's going to be a little bit more challenging this year as we expand in year two. Well, I want to talk about that, but I also want to just echo what you said. Broke new ground with the television technology and some of the things that Fox was able to do with the broadcast. NBC was able to do with the broadcast. I got to hear play calls, which was awesome. But mostly I got to see some outstanding football played ending in Canton, Ohio, where we had the Birmingham Stallions crowned as the inaugural USFL champions. And they are going to try to do this again with the New Jersey Generals like they did last year, about 287 days ago, as we're talking on <laughs> Tuesday, when they gave us what I thought was uh, the best opening to any league that I've ever seen. How did you feel about watching the Stallions and Generals and how excited are you to see them kick it off in Birmingham this year? Yeah, caught lightning in a bottle week one, right? We grabbed a ton of eyes, um, a, a great crowd, uh, a crowd that probably exceeded a lot of people's expectations. Uh, you know, we had a little bit of a struggle getting people in, which is a great problem to have in your first go around. So, um, you know, we, we adjusted very quickly, uh, got everybody in, but the atmosphere was fantastic, you know, legitimized for me. I'm a huge flyover fan. So, you know, to have that as, as part of our first week uh, in, in the USFL and then the game itself, I, I really thought, that we were trending for overtime. You know, we mm. got into that fourth quarter, late in that fourth quarter, and I'm like, are you kidding me? We're going to overtime in week one, and we get to roll out our unique overtime rules uh, on, on, a, on a simulcast, on Fox, on NBC. I mean, you, you couldn't have scripted this any better. So uh, it, that didn't pan out, but it was exciting. 
um, we, we, we grabbed a lot of people's attention. We got a lot of people that started to follow us after that. And, uh, it was, it was just a great way to start the season and, and grab that momentum from, from the get-go and, and try to keep it as long as we could. I like to tell folks, Jamar Smith came off the bench before Brock Purdy did. I saw it. <laughs> I was there at Protective Stadium. All right. It's a lot of fun. We also saw the eventual MVP get seven touches for about 97 yards in that game. Nobody knew that Kevontae Turpin was going to be that guy, but became a Dallas Cowboy, made the 53-man roster, which I got to believe is a win for you and the USFL. But the thing that I stress about this is it's not just America's team. It's not just your team. It's not just my team. It's the NFL all-pro selection by his peers that I found to be so overwhelming and cool. How did you feel to know that you could see that kind of player who was preparing for your camp in your league in January get that sort of opportunity and recognition? Unbelievable. You know, that's that's what the hook is here in this league, um, you know, giving these young men another opportunity. You know, sometimes it's a non-traditional path back to the NFL. Sometimes it's just changing the narrative that's out there about you. Um, sometimes it's just it's it's showcasing your skill set. And I'm sure there's a lot of people in the NFL that felt Cavante Turpin was a little bit undersized. Yeah, yeah, he's fast. He's quick. But boy, he's only 160 pounds, 165 pounds. You know, is he going to be able to last? Is he going to be able to take those big hits at that NFL level? Uh, and, and he showed us he could definitely do that. And, and he's so explosive that he doesn't take a lot of those big hits. So uh, I, I was very proud of him. It, it got to the point, and even I felt it, that when the ball was kicked off and Cavante Turpin had an opportunity to field it, that there was an anticipation in the crowd with the viewership watching on TV. Is he going this time? And, you know, truth be told in that San Francisco game, when it's sitting there at 1912, I think if he breaks right a little bit quicker, it might be 1919 and we're going to overtime in the divisional round of the playoffs. That would have been outstanding. As you very well know, I am a Dallas Cowboys fan. So I was on the edge of my seat every time he got a chance to touch the ball and I don't know getting an opportunity to know that kind of story and be able to tell it frankly I felt really blessed to be in that position last year and it he's not just the only he wasn't the only great returner in the USFL last year and I tell folks that all the time Victor Bolden Bolden took one back against the New Orleans Breakers that kind of gets me into some of the matchup that I have circled going through the first three weeks here I mentioned the New Jersey Generals and the Birmingham Stallions that's our primetime game 7 30 p.m. Uh, on April 15th, Saturday, at Protective Stadium. And then earlier that day, the honor of the first game of the season this year goes to the Memphis Showboats, who will host USFL Championship runner-up Philadelphia Stars in your new hub at Simmons Bank at Liberty Stadium. How do you feel about how this is coming into fruition? Uh, Really good, really good. was it was a tough decision um to kind of shutter the tampa bay bandit franchise but the opportunity to get to memphis uh and, and to work with the the group that's in memphis to 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 buy into our usfl vision and, and to become a part of that family was just too good of an opportunity to pass by so you know todd haley bringing his his roster and his staff uh, in, into memphis is, is going to be great um you know i i one of the things that as we sit here now and we talk about the city of memphis and one of the things that's very critical for the USFL family is to engage in the community. And I think Memphis right now is a community that, that could use a little bit of love from, from all over the country. And, and we hope to be able to get our guys and our staffs into that community uh, and, re- and really start to engage and, and start that healing process from what's happened there recently. So uh, that, that'll be a big part of, of what we're doing. Um, and then the Philadelphia Stars coming in. I think, I think if Case Cook is, doesn't have the injury, 
in the championship game, it, it just seemed like Philadelphia was going to do exactly what they did all season. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the start's a little bumpy. They're trying to find their way. But boy, when they figure it out and they hit their stride, they took off. And they were kind of doing that exact same thing in that championship game. And and I think if, if Case Cookus is able to continue to lead that team all the way, it, it's going to be interesting to see what happens at the end of that one. So uh, excited to see how, how they bounce back this season. Uh, you know, Bart Andrus has done a great job, you know, wherever he's been, uh, he's been in multiple leagues like this. He understands that he gets it and it is a little bit different and and he understands the challenges and, and some of the unique opportunities that are there. So I'm really excited to see what Philadelphia does this year and, and how Bart Andrus adjusts in year two. As am I. I know they're returning guys like Jordan Sewell and Pro Wells who went to Texas Christian before a lot of folks knew the Texas Christian play a little football, but I've always enjoyed him. <laughs> as a tight end prospect. And of course, Channing Stribling on the other side, a Michigan man holding down that corner spot to your point about coach Andrews. It shows his experience in coaching in this league and the way he was able to finish with a guy like Case Cookis, who was his backup quarterback come June, who put together an outstanding year for himself and really made a name for himself leading into the playoffs. And of course, going into that championship game, if he doesn't get hurt, I'm with you. I think it's a different sort of ball game also underscores Birmingham's defense and just how good it was briefly. They're going to be joined, the Memphis Showboats, at their Memphis hub by one other USFL franchise, that be the Houston Gamblers, uh, Kevin Sumlin squad. What excites you about them in year two? The, the big thing for me with Houston was I, they were one of my favorites to start the year, um, but they just, they were out of sync as the season started, had a, had a lot of heartbreaking losses. I think they lost three consecutive games on the final play, yes. not not in the, not late in the fourth quarter, I, I, on the final play. Um, and and the perseverance and the resiliency that that Kevin and his staff, you know, showed in leading that group of young men to be able to just kind of grit your teeth and come back every Monday and get after it again, even as heartbreaking as the losses were over the course of the weekends, they just came back and and threw everything they had into their preparation. And I really felt at the end of the season, the one team nobody wanted to play was the Houston Gamblers. So the two-game win streak that they had knocking off New Orleans, knocking off Birmingham from the undefeated ranks, um, you know, th- that was the team, you know, that kind of showed me, okay, they they got it all together just a little bit late in the year and they they had those heartbreaking losses. But I'm, I'm really, really interested to see what Kevin Sumlin and his staff do this year and year two because I, I really thought that they were the best team uh, in, in our league last year as the season ended. They just had too many losses early on to be able to get into that playoff chase. Absolutely. I know that Reggie Northrup was getting a lot of attention as well. He should have, but Donald Payne was a seek and destroy linebacker. Like you read about, like, I just, I really enjoyed watching that defense go. And when Mark Thompson was healthy running the ball, he looked really great running the ball. I want him to be healthy for this entire 10 week season and see where they end up at the end. Uh, A week two matchup that I have my eyes on uh, a return to Canton, Ohio, where we're going to have one of our four hubs for the USFL Panthers at the stars. That's 7 o'clock Eastern time on Sunday, April 23rd, Tom Benson Hall of Fame Stadium. I'm enjoying that one because I really like this rivalry between Jeff Fisher and Bart Andrus, who are on a staff together, Tennessee Titans. But so far, Coach Fisher hasn't been able to get a win in this one. Do you think this is the time for it? Well, unfortunately, we're going to give you some news here now, RJ. Um We've had to make a change, you know, at Michigan for personal reasons. You know, Coach Fisher reached out to us um, in in late January and uh, and really felt that he could not coach at the level that he needed to coach uh, to help Michigan win a championship, to do what was best for his players. So he reluctantly resigned uh, due to those personal reasons. So we immediately got into coaching search mode. 
Um, we were trying to pull Michigan ties in uh, to try to do whatever we could, you know, to really kind of add some flavor there. Um, got close on a couple of, of, of potential candidates um, who very complimentary on what we did year one, became fans of the USFL during the season. Um, and, and the timing was just not right. And uh, we kept kept grinding, kept looking, and boy, did we find a great one. Um, so Mike Nolan is going to be the head coach of the Michigan Panthers here in year two. And, um, you know, a lot of people will say that Mike Riley is 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 the nicest man you'll ever meet in football. I'd, I'd say that Mike Nolan is probably the second nicest man you'd ever meet in football. Uh, so we're, we're really excited to welcome him into the USFL family and, and can't wait to see, you know, what he does assembling his staff and, and, and really starting to get that roster fine-tuned. When you say nicer than Mike Riley, I'm, I really can't <laughs> wait to meet Coach Nolan because I, I've never met him before, but I can't think of a kinder man than Coach Riley. So I'm really interested to have two of the kinder guys in our league this year. But other than that, I mean, Mike Nolan's a heck of an offensive mind, right, Real? I mean, like... Defensive. He's, he's coming defensive. from the defensive side. Yep. Thank you. Um, mm -hmm. What do you think that he can bring to the league that perhaps you don't have already? I, I think the big thing, again, is just legitimizing what we're doing. When you attract somebody the caliber of, of Mike Nolan, who was in the NFL just two years ago um, as a defensive coordinator, um, and, and you go back and you look at his history as a head coach, as a defensive coordinator throughout the NFL, I mean, just a ton of experience and, and the players that he's had the opportunity to work with, develop, um, and, and help them chase the dreams that they want to. I think he's an absolutely perfect fit for what we're doing. So, uh, you know, we, we couldn't be happier. And and we were, we were, you know, truth be told, I was, I don't know if everybody else was, but I was because the news came so late, you know, how are we going to be able to do this at this time and 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 get somebody in of, of, the, of the caliber that we, we want to have moving forward? And I, just blessed, blessed. I mentioned at the beginning, you know, about when you asked me how I felt about year one, blessed to have good people around me, blessed to have good teammates within the USF family. Uh, we, we've, we've done that again with Mike Nolan and, uh, you know, for him to have the the belief in what we're doing and the confidence that that we're, we're going to take that next step in year two. And he wants to be a part of that uh, was very flattering to us. So uh, just tremendously excited for that. And, and I think that that, that Philadelphia Michigan rivalry will still be there. As you pointed out, it was a real good feel story. Uh, when you talk about Jeff Fisher and, and Bart Andrus and the history that they have together, um, you know, going way, way back uh, in, in time. So uh, I, I think that that plants the seeds for it. Uh, but but I think that we're going to be able to continue to press that on here. Uh, and, and one of the great things is, you know, we ask those teams in our hubs, even though they're competitors, to become companions and, and work together. Um, and, and I think that Bart and, and Mike will uh, will really enjoy getting to, to spend a little bit more time together and get to know each other on a, on a different level. He's going to have some great pieces to work with. I know that uh, Frank Gindo was a revelation for linebacker at linebacker for the Panthers last year. I believe that 90 tackles in 10 games. And then Reggie Corbin was an all USFL tailback. So I'm really interested to see how that team meshes with him. And I'm looking forward to this game even more now because I, I got a defensive mind on one side and I got an offensive mind on the other. And those are the games that I find myself most compelled to when I know I got two guys that know how to coach the sport playing chess against each other. I want to move to week three right quick uh, because there's another new head coach in this league uh, for the Pittsburgh Marlers that's going to face another great coach in this league in Bart Andrews. Pittsburgh Marlers are going to have Roy, Roy, Roy that's my name, Ray Horton 
as their new head coach who's got family ties to his defensive coordinator. So obviously my first question, Daryl, is how did you go get a guy who's won three Super Bowls and two as a coach to be head coach <laughs> in your franchise? Yeah, I, again, just very, very lucky. Um, and, and a lot of it had to do, like you said, with with Ray being able to work side by side with his son, Jaron. And, you know, it really hit home to me when he talked about being able to provide a legacy component. And and we've seen it in the NFL with with Mike Shanahan and Kyle Shanahan, um, with with Bill Belichick and his sons in New England. You know, we we see that opportunity to create legacy opportunities. And, and Ray looked at this as an opportunity for him to provide that for Jaron in the USFL. Uh, and that really that really struck a chord with me. I was really proud of the perspective that he had on this. Now, Jaron was one of our our internal guys that that a lot of people talked about when we had those first two openings. And we went through the traditional process of, of doing a head coach search. So he's definitely somebody that we'll be looking forward to moving moving ahead here in the USFL as, as one of our guys internally that we're going to want to promote. Um, and so I'm excited to spend a little bit more time watching and following Jaron because we were so busy with everything last year, getting everything propped up in the league, that one of the things I didn't get to do was spend as much time as I wanted to at some of the practices. So I'm really looking forward to having the opportunity to get to meet and to to know Jaron on a different level, a deeper level. Uh, and I can't wait to see what his dad does. Uh, it, I think it's going to be one of the more interesting stories watching those two guys work together. Um, so I, I know that that Jaron's very proud of what he accomplished in year one. I, I think they had the most players get into an NFL training camp. That Mauler's defense had the most guys that, that got an opportunity to go to camp. So uh, not only did he have talent around it, but he was able to develop that and maximize that. Um, it'll be interesting to see how much of an impact his dad has because it sounds like Jaron has got that defense of the ball, the defensive side of the ball pretty much intact. So I'm really excited to see the impact that, that Ray brings to the offense. And, and I think Pittsburgh Mowers fans are going to see a little bit different style of, of, of offense uh, that, that they're running. And, and, and obviously we've gotten an opportunity to see those new jerseys, that, that, that new color scheme and, and, you know, brings you right back to the, you know, the golden black of, of the Steelers and every, every other sports team there in the city of Pittsburgh. So I, I think the Maulers feel like they fit in a little bit better now. One of the things that I did not know that I wanted, Daryl, was to see the Maulers in black and gold. All of a sudden, I'm going, oh, no, I love this. This this yeah. is amazing, right? Uh, also to the point of Jaron Horton, I was totally and overwhelmingly impressed by his defense last season. I told him so, and I, I made it my job to get to know him. And he's already talking about playing fast and aggressive and wanting to be able to pin his ears back with a lead and go after people. He's getting Boogie Roberts back. He's getting Trey Tarpley back. He's getting the band back together. Yep. I'm excited to see what they can do in Canton. They'll be sharing a hub with the New Jersey Generals, correct? Yes, absolutely. Um, th th that was one of the big things. We wanted to keep our teams together that were there year one. So last year we were split up, you know, four by two throughout the, the the course of season one and we wanted to keep those relationships together and, th and that was one of our our really good relationships was was Mike Riley and Kirby Wilson they really kind of set the standard for us mm. being out at Miles College and engaging um, you know not only what they were doing at the practice field but but the staff and the people that were a part of the day-to-day -day out at Miles College um, we thought that that was going to be a great fit for us and it was even better than we could have anticipated. So uh, I, I expect to see that same type of relationship between Ray and Mike Riley. Um, they they know of each other, uh, haven't, haven't had a lot of time together, uh, but very respectful of each guy's resume. Um, and, and Ray is one of those, you know, he's, he's a, he's a big thinking man. Um, you know, I, I think that it's another really, really good relationship. And, and that was one of the important things we did last year, trying to 
to create those those relationships with our coaches that we're going to be sharing you know, the facilities together. And, and now that they're going to have their own hubs and sharing it together, I think we laid a lot of really, really good groundwork there in year one of building that relationship. Um, and even though we've got some change at the top in Pittsburgh, I, I can't wait to see Ray step in and, and build that relationship with Mike Riley. I get to now say that uh, Tom Brady retired before Coach Riley did, and Coach Riley <laughs> is the only guy that saw him play high school football and gave him an offer to play at USC, which is a fascinating story that I was privileged to write about at foxsports.com if you are so interested. Uh, I want to touch on a new hire for the New Orleans Breakers because I find this one to be very interesting. John Filippo takes over a Breaker squad that returns, I believe, three all USFL defenders, and frankly, they were outstanding last year. I wonder, does he know what he has in the talent that is returning that nucleus? And, you know, had an opportunity to challenge the Stallions late there in the playoffs for an opportunity to play for a USFL championship. Uh, I think he does. I really do. And, and I think that that was one of the intriguing components to that. And, you know, we, we told him about the uncertainty at, at the quarterback position with Kyle Sloter, and, and really it, he didn't flinch at that. I think he understood what he had on the defensive side of the ball. And John being an offensive coach, I think he had a lot of confidence in, in his ability to, to rebuild and retool that offense. So um, you're talking about a guy 2017, 2018 was one of the hottest names in the NFL as a potential up and coming head coach. So for us in the USFL to have John DeFilippo there, uh, whoever the quarterbacks are in New Orleans, when all that gets settled in, this is going to be a great opportunity for them because he he did a tremendous job with Nick Folds. You just go back and look at his resume and, and John DeFilippo has, has really created the opportunity for quarterbacks to really grow and step up during his tenure there. So I'm, I'm really excited to see what he does. And, 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 and with a keel glass there, I mean, that was one of the guys that we were chasing all last season. Um, you know, just kind of that wait and see, wait and see, wait and see. And, and Jim pop never gave up on it and kept chasing him. Uh, and, and now that he's come over to our side and he's going to be in new Orleans, I, I really think this could be something that gives him an opportunity like 50 plus of our guys had last year get that invitation to that NFL training camp once our season's over. So I, I expect, I expect really, really good things from John DeFilippo in New Orleans. Akil coming out of, I believe, Alabama A&M at the time. And my goodness, you want to talk about a dual threat coming out of HBCU football that I really enjoy too. I'm excited to see what kind of a player he can be in this league, because this has also been a great league for HBCU graduates. I mean, mm -hmm. to put it, just out there. I see Tennessee State out here, Jackson State out here. We can keep going down the list. I mean, Miles College was hosting training camp for the Maulers and the Generals, as you alluded to. Very excited to see what that Breakers team can look like. And, you know, John Filippo is a Youngstown guy. Last <laughs> Youngstown guy I got to know was Bob Stoops. I, you know, pretty good. Played Youngstown State. It's the son of a, uh, they believe, a former offensive coordinator at Youngstown State in Gene. Mm -hmm. And, of course, you mentioned Nick uh, Nick Foles, but Filippo comes on my radar. This is me. Daryl, I'm just football nerd. So Mark Sanchez is a rookie who wins multiple playoff games. And I go look it up and the quarterback's coach is John Filippo. So, yep. you know, that man absolutely understands what's going on down there. Um, on the way out here, just your overarching thoughts about the caliber of football that we have seen in year one and how much better it's going to be in year two, given that everybody knows what the job is now for the most part. And everybody understands how the cadence of the season is going to go. Yeah, I think if you talk to everybody last year, you know, one of the things that that we wanted to make sure we did in, in season two was be more proactive than reactive. And, mm. and we've done our best to kind of be ahead of the curve and, and allow people 
the opportunity to be their best. And and last year we were we were good, but we we could have been much better. And so we've looked at that from a league stance and and where can we help our coaches? Where can we help our staffs? Where can we help our players? And just getting them in, getting them comfortable. I I think the expansion into the different hubs is going to be a huge positive for us. Um, not only from the fans' perspective, you mentioned all the the different production elements that we had with the broadcast, double sky cams coming in from the defensive side, drones. One of the things that that did is it, it exposed us to the empty seats that were there opposite the Birmingham games. Mm. Uh, you know, Birmingham, for all intents and purposes, had ten home games last season, and that was challenging for our other seven teams. Um, but but the hard thing was for a viewer was to see the empty seats. So getting into the four hubs, building that excitement there, you know, we're going to minimize the number of games where we don't have that home team feel in that stadium. So that that that's going to be one of the great things that we want to do there. Um, it, the other part is by being proactive and instead of reactive and getting things in place. Uh, what we saw was a great opening game. We talked about that, the simulcast on, on Fox and NBC and the style of game that it was. Um, after that, you know, I, I really feel like we took a little bit of a dip, um, not just leveled off, but took a little bit of a dip. And there might've been some reasons, obviously everybody remembers, you know, the sensors and the ball and the issues that we were having there with some of the quarterbacks and the kickers. And it kind of, timed up with that where we started to kind of emerge and the, and the style of play went back up. And, and I always remember, I don't know what it was, but week five was one of my favorite weeks in the USFL last year. I just thought the quality of football was outstanding. Um, now I'm, I'm not sure if that's everybody just getting their confidence back as specialists and quarterbacks. And we're worrying about the things that we can control about things that are, instead of worrying about things that are outside of our control. Um, that that's when I noticed it. Our charge this year is, we we got to go out of the gates week one, build week two, build week three, build week four. We, we don't want to level off. We definitely don't want to go downhill. So I think just having, you know, schedules out, you know, calendars out, information that we can use, the teams that had consistency from year one to year two, they've been doing Zoom calls, you know, during the course of the off season to kind of put that, that X's and O component in place ahead of the curve. So you're not learning it for the first time when we go to training camp, you're expanding. And, and that was our big challenge to all of our coaches. Let's not start year two right where we left off year one. Let's be a lot further down the road. Let, let's make sure we're engaging our guys in the offseason, getting them comfortable. Zach Woodfin has been doing workouts down in uh, in Birmingham with some of the guys that, that are there local. Some of the guys have been coming in. So we're really starting to become kind of that, that year-round professional league with, with different opportunities for our guys from the Zoom calls with their coordinators and position coaches, a, a strength and performance program down in Birmingham. Um, so things that we didn't even have last year. You know, at this time, we didn't even have rosters, right? We haven't even done our draft yet. So we didn't even have rosters at this point last year. So when you think of where we're at now compared to where we were last year, I don't see anything but great things happening. And again, it all comes down to our head coaches. Those are the, the key components to what we do on the football field. Um, you know, number one, we've got to get that talent and assemble it. But those coaches, you know, the, the people that we bring in, we bring them in because of who they are, the networks they have, and the ability for them to find the staffs that they know are going to be loaded with teachers. And that's what we need, you know, not just coaches, but coaches who can teach and, and build that passion for the game, build that camaraderie within the locker room. And those are the, the guys that we have this year. And we had great guys last year. And for us to lose Larry Fedora and, and lose a Kirby Wilson and, and lose a Jeff Fisher, who not only 
you know, day to day, week to week in the football component of building a league. But for me and Brian and everybody else at the league level that was working with them hand in hand, just on how do we how do we do this the right way? How can we get better? Where where could we be better? Um, when you talk about a guy like Jeff Fisher, who's done it for so long, I mean, he was he was a wealth of information for us. So those three guys just in one year, the impact that they made and it, and it was it was sad to see them go. We were all disappointed when they gave us the news that they were going to have to leave. And for us to be able to go out and bring in John DiFilippo and bring in Ray Horton and bring in Mike Nolan, um, to be able to replace the three guys we lost with those caliber of coaches, uh, I, I really am excited about year two and, and what, what we're going to be doing as a league, how we're going to be perceived by the fans as a league, and, and making sure that quality of football is ascending all the way through until we get to the playoffs and into our championship game. You have perfected what I think is the business of football in a sport and at a time when we didn't have it, which is kind of fun, right? Like you mentioned Coach Pop and the work that he does, the work that you have done to keep people engaged, to help me understand what it is that the USFL is accomplishing and how, being able to point me in the right direction so I can go look at other stories. And I'm thrilled by what the USFL has become. And frankly, you're talking about what a big move it was for you to be able to go get those coaches. And I'm thinking, man, that's a football league. A football league has coaches that turn over and you go get new coaches to take over new franchises. That's just the way that this stuff works. And y'all have made that just part of what you do. Uh, Daryl, I'm very excited about the USFL. Man, I'm excited to be talking about football in April, May, and June <laughs> and into the 4th of July. So uh, I appreciate you taking time to speak with us here on the number one college football show about the USFL. And I look forward to seeing and interacting with you all throughout the season. Yeah, I've, I've mentioned a lot of good teammates, RJ, and I'd be remiss if I didn't mention you as, as one of our, our great teammates as well. You, you've been a, a fan from day one and, and a tremendous supporter and and just the content that you you bring the opportunity to to get in behind the scenes with our coaches and really get an opportunity to for your fans to really kind of see what they're like day to day. And, and that's that's exciting to me. We see guys on Sundays and on game day um, and how they're working on the sideline. But when you get to, to pull that curtain back a little bit and see who they are as men, that that's when you get excited about these guys mentoring and teaching these young men and trying to change the trajectory of their life with an opportunity in the NFL. Thank you so much, Daryl. I'm going to let you go back to the business of football so that we got some great games to watch beginning April 15th in Memphis, 4.30 Eastern Standard Time, Simmons Liberty Bank uh, Stadium, where they actually play the Liberty game. And then, of course, primetime game, the New Jersey Generals at the Birmingham Stallions. It was great last year. I expect it to be great this year. Thank you so much, Daryl. Thank you, RJ.